Welcome to episode four of our still unnamed podcast, where we dive deep into the legal side of real estate. I'm your host, Deanna Reynolds, a seasoned real estate attorney with years of experience helping clients navigate the complex legal landscape of property transactions. And I'm your co-host, Shanara Carter, a licensed real estate agent specializing in residential and commercial properties. Together, we'll be your guides on this journey, unraveling the legal intricacies and sharing valuable insights to empower you in your real estate endeavors. Whether you're a first-time home buyer, an experienced investor, or simply interested in understanding the legal aspects of real estate, this podcast is for you. Yes, you, sitting right there, this one is for you. We'll cover, we cover a wide range of topics from contract negotiations, investing, landlord-tenant rights, etc. That is right. That is right, Deanna. This <laughs> podcast is for you. Each episode, we'll bring you expert interviews, case studies, and practical tips to help you navigate the legal challenges. And trust me, there are so many and help you make informed decisions in this dynamic world of real estate. Absolutely. So, Shanara, we have a fun one today. In today's episode, we're dealing with questions. So as a practicing real estate attorney, I get questions daily, and I know Shanara Carter, you as a licensed real estate agent are dealing with clients daily. So yes. part of our day is consultations and questions. Yes. So what we have here are some questions that we deal with quite regularly, and we're going to go over them today. So I'm really excited about today's topic. So here's question one. Person says, I got a real estate. I have a great real estate deal. It is for a condo and the seller only wants $15,000. He's offering me the low cost because we're not going to use a title company or an attorney. So we don't have a lot of the overhead fees. Um, the seller is going to sign the deed and give it to me once I give him a cashier's check. He is my cousin's in-law. Um, he's saying the reason why he's giving me a good deal is that we're family and it only makes sense. What do you think? <laughs> so, Shanira, I have tons and tons of thoughts, yeah. but I'm going to let you go first. But to recap, this man wants to buy a condo for $15,000 from his cousin's in-law. Mm -hmm. So um, there's some, as far as how they're, the method they're going about this, we'll, we're, we're going to let our expert, amazing <laughs> attorney cover that part. <laughs> but. And so I won't even, I'll let her, I'll let her tackle that. It's a condo for $15,000 there. So there's so many things to um, take into consideration here. I am the president of a condo association. So I'm going to bring to you from the inside as it relates to an association, things that you need to consider. Oh, inside. Okay. Before investing mm. in a condominium. Mm. Um, so one. The first mistake that investors make, whether it's a condo, a building, a single family home, is being sucked in mm. or um, hypnotized by the price. Hmm. A low price does not always mean it's a good deal. Mm. First lesson of the day. I'm right now trying to help an investor sell properties that he thought he was getting for a good deal that we are having a hard time. Um, helping him to get rid of those properties. my and, and it probably wasn't the best thing to say, but I'll say I told him, I wish you would have known me before mm. you made that purchase. Mm -hmm. um, so 
That's that's what we're here for. Which we're here to help you to not make those mistakes because you let somebody else tell you that it's a good investment because you are strung in by the low price. Mm. So, condominiums. Let's talk about it. What is your intent with the condominium? First mm. of all, mm-hmm. what what's the intent? Because there's rules and regulations that come with purchasing condominiums. One. I'm going to say more than 95% of condos do not allow short-term rentals. So if you're purchasing... Say that again for the people in the back. (laughs) More than 95% of condominiums have rules and regulations and bylaws that prevent short-term rentals. Everybody is going on the Airbnb buzz. So if... You are purchasing that condo because you're thinking you're going to Airbnb that condo. Make sure you have your amazing attorney and we have one to recommend for you. If you do not have one, make sure you have the attorney retrieve those documents that are pertinent to tell you what you can and cannot do Mm -hmm. within the walls of that condominium. First thing. Mm -hmm. Just speaking of HOAs, I just have to interject. HOAs have rules and regulations even pets, yep. even if you want to live in the home and you have, you know, your your big doll, Duke, mm-hmm. who's 20 pounds, and, you know, Duke is your companion and you want Duke to live with you, make sure you can have a dog that size in the building. But go on, Shanira. You're make, saying good stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry. Make sure you can even have a dog. Hey. hey. So I have a condo for sale right now as we speak. No <laughs> pets. First time I've ever come across mm. it. But... It's important. I literally received an email last night like, tell me it's not true. That's what she said in the email. Tell me it's not true that you're telling me we can't have pets in this condominium. Wow. So make sure you dot your I's and cross your T's. And that's why we're here to help you to make those informed decisions. That's what this podcast is about. So getting back to the topic. So one, you want to make sure you understand the rules and regulations within that condominium, within that association. Let's just say you're not going to rent it out. You're going to actually move into the condominium, right? Hmm. So you think none of this applies to you. Hmm. Well, a couple of things that are important when it comes to a condominium. Hmm. And even if you have cash to Hmm. purchase it, you don't need financing, right? Hmm. I got cash. Doesn't Hmm. matter. Let's talk about when it's time for you to sell your condo. Yes. Okay. So if you have a condominium and there are more renters than there are owners, Mm. your renters can never exceed the ownership in the building. It has to be owner occupied over 51%. Hmm. If your tenants are 51% in a building, Mm -hmm. your association will not be approved by a lender. You will be forced to put 20% down, Mm. which means your prospective buyer, when you go to sell that condominium, will have to come with 20% down. The truth of the matter is, depending on the location of the condo, the average person does not have 20% down, Mm -hmm. right? That's the first thing. Two, you're buying it for $15,000. Why? Why is it only being That's sold for $15,000? That's the part. Your cousin, 
your cousin's in-law. So this is not your cousin. This is your cousin's in-law. Right. Why are they giving you the deal of a lifetime? Ask questions. Ask questions. <laughs> Why? Right. So if we're so, and I'm gonna let I'm gonna definitely um, let Deanna get into this. Mm-hmm. But the first red flag here is that we're not using title companies or attorneys. Mm. Why? Never purchase. Never. And you're supposed to never say never, but I am going to say never. Never purchase a property without having an attorney at least look over the documents before you sign them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say never one more time in capital letters with exclamation points behind it. If they don't want an attorney to look mm-hmm. at the paperwork or they do not want an attorney used is for a reason. And trust me, it's not to protect you. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on that, Dion? I've been, this is real. I get this question more, but you know what? I'm glad they asked a question. I would rather someone call me and say, hey, what do you think? Kudos to anyone who asks questions. Always be inquisitive to ask. Now, I know in some states, real estate agents, um, or rather real estate attorneys aren't really used. Um, A lot of that is navigated through the help of a real estate agent um, or a title company. Mm -hmm. I prefer attorneys, obviously, or at least an attorney who works for a title company or real estate brokerage because this is a big investment and you need someone who understands the law and the industry to look out for your interests. So $15,000, eh? And they want to give you a deed and you're going to give a cashier's check. How do you know that there's no debt on the property? Hmm. How do you know there's no mortgage? How do you know the water bill is paid? How do you even know... Your cousin's in-law even owns the property. Assessment, Shanira, you're president of HOA. How do we know that the assessments with the condo are current? I'm really cautious when someone gives a great deal. There's no such thing as a free lunch. There's no such thing. Absolutely. And, you know, I always say what you save on the um, front end, you're going to pay on the back end. That's right. So, you know, on the front end, you're getting a condo for $15,000. No real estate agents are involved, so there was no commission, no title company fees. Yeah, you saved a little money. But on the back end, what what are you getting? Probably getting a unit that has tons of assessment fees, outstanding water bills. And God forbid, you may not even be buying for the rightful owner. How do we know your cousin-in-law even owns a property. Maybe it was his mom's condo. And this leads into a question later about family inherited property. Mm -hmm. But the short answer is, if you remember anything from this conversation today, at least talk to someone. Maybe if you're, you know, you don't have the money and the budget to necessarily hire someone fully to help you with a transaction, look for free consultations. <laughs> In my office, I give free 15 minute consultations. Find somebody who at least talk to you and answer some questions or talk to a real estate agent. My God. I mean, you know, the reason why professionals get paid is because they're bringing value and a service to you. And, you know, and those persons need to be paid for their time and efforts. And it's a fair exchange, it's saving you from a big headache. So the word is don't, don't, don't do anything without the help of a professional. Don't do a quit claim deed, and we'll have a whole session about that one day. But a quit claim deed is where someone gives you a deed without any warranties or promises about that they even own it. That typically happens when an attorney or a title company is not involved. They're giving you a quit claim deed, and they're not making any promises. They're saying essentially, I give you whatever I own, which could be zero. So in this case, your cousin's in law could give you a quit claim deed. 
and it'd be worthless because they essentially didn't even outright own the property. So what do I think? I say, nah, nah, girl, nah, boy, nah, babe, nah, person, nah, however you identify yourself, nah, stop. <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't worth it. Go make some phone calls. I think, Shanira, you're on the same board, too. And definitely, I'm on the same board. But let's just, so we're saying <laughs> now, but let's just, let's just give you a few more points as it relates to that. Like, mm-hmm. let's just, let's just expound a little bit more on why you're saying no. Because that's what we do as parents, right? We tell our kids <laughs> no. And we don't, we don't help them truly understand why they should be saying no. Mm-hmm. We're just bringing up all the points and all the red flags that you need to pay attention to. Yes. As it relates to this scenario, right? So, um, Deanna brought up a, a great point about HOA assessments, right? Um, and the current assessments, let's just say he's selling it for $15,000 and the current assessments on this condominium may be $350. Not bad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> however, is there a special assessment coming up on the board? Um, are there any capital expenditure work? Is there any capital expenditures that are coming up soon in place that need to take place? Capital expenditures, what are those? Those are those big ticket items, right? That the association as a whole are responsible for. Um, tuck pointing on the building, the roof, uh, the porches, um, uh, the pipes, um, anything, the common pipes, common area pipes. If there's a parking lot, mm-hmm. maybe the parking lot needs to be repaved. Maybe the gate doesn't work on the parking lot. You have so many things that are covered from a HOA perspective. You also have the insurance on the on the building from a common perspective. And that's why your HOA 6 condo insurance is cheaper on a condo because you're only insuring the inside dwelling of your unit. The association picks up the master policy that takes care of all the common areas of the building. So, is that in place? Do we have insurance? <laughs> Do we even have an active policy? So, what you all can the- hear <laughs> is that the the topics of HOAs is a whole topic in and of itself. And Shanira, being both a real estate agent and a president, has a wealth of information. So, Shanira, I don't want to do... You know, was it disjustice, injustice? I don't want to cut this short because this needs to be a whole episode. But I do have to give a question because in last week's episode, we're talking about investing. And during that conversation, we discussed different methods when it comes to investing. And I think this ties nicely into this question. Um, It says, should I buy a home first or invest property? I'm 29 and live in a big city. I think I went to invest first, but I am not sure. You know, that's a very broad question with a lot of different nuances and how it can be answered. But Shanira, for the purposes of today, you talked about, uh, what was that, the Burr method? The Burr method. Could you you just tell us what that is again, please? So the Burr method means you buy that property, whether it's through a loan, whether it's a hard money loan, whether it's cash, but you purchase that property. Once you purchase that property... Um, and, and typically with the Burr method, it's a property that's in some sort of distress. So mm. there's going to be some rehab that takes place with that property, right? So you're going to rehab the property. So you're going to purchase it. You purchase it for, let's just throw out numbers. You purchase it for $70,000. Purchase it for $70,000 and you 
have your contractor come out, or maybe you are a contractor, but you have your general contractor come out who's licensed, bonded, and insured, and you have your contractor come out, and they say, well, we got to put about 70000 into this building. So you put your 70000 into the building. Now that you have rehabbed that building, that building has a after repair value. We call that ARV. Because you've increased the value of the property by rehabbing it, you have an option now. You can either sell the property and you take your money and your proceeds after the sale or you can rent that property. So now, as it relates to the Burr method, you've bought the property, you've rehabbed the property. And so remember those numbers we discussed. You rehabbed, you bought the property for 70000 you put another seventy into it, rent $140,000 in minus whatever down payment you may have had to put in if that's a hard money loan and we'll, that's a whole nother section. But you rehab it. Now you say, I want this to, um, I want this in my real estate portfolio. I want to keep this property. And I want to, because I want to collect a, a certain number of doors. I want to collect income off mm -hmm. a certain number of doors. So I'm going to then rent that property. So we have satisfied our first R in the Burr method, which is rehab. Mm -hmm. Now, your second R in the Burr method is rent. You're going to find mm -hmm. a renter. You're going to put a renter in that property. And there's, a, there's, a, there's some numbers related to that that you all need to know about, too. But we'll get through the R's first. So then you rent the property. And you say, I want to keep this property. However, I need the money from this property so that I can go and invest in my next property. You then refinance. So that lender is going to take what the after repair value is through an appraisal. So you'll have an, that lender will have an appraisal done and that lender is going to come back and say, hey, uh, hey, Miss Reynolds, mm -hmm. you have an after repair value on this property now of $240,000. Whoa, awesome. Remember awesome. the numbers? We were in $140,000, maybe. Because if it was a loan and you had a down payment in there, it's less than 140, but we're just going to use the true numbers for the sake of this conversation. So you've invested 140,000. So how much equity is that? That's $100,000. Now, the general rule is the investor, the, the lender will take 70%, 70% of that after repair value which is key because this is the part I think that most people kind of miss out on or, or misunderstand or misconstrue. So the lender has said that the property is, has an after repair value of 240000 If the lender takes the general rule of 168000 70% of that number, you were in 140000 So now we're at 168000 So, so, couple of things here. This was a great investment. Why? Because you stay under the 70% rule. You did not exceed 
that 168,000. So you stayed within the realm of what we consider the 70% rule with rehabbing a property, right? So now you refinance, you refinance at $240,000, you take your proceeds from there, you have your renter in there covering your mortgage, and you take those proceeds and you go to the next property. That's the last R, repeat. We have purchased, we have rehabbed, we have rented, right? We refinanced, and now we repeat. And this is how you can become an investor with the Burr method with as less skin in the game. What does that mean, less skin in the game? Less money out of pocket. So we just discussed the Burr method. Why is that important? And I know the question was, I'm 29 years old and should I invest? But I thought that that was very important because the average 29-year-old does not have the cash to purchase a property, the money to rehab it, and withhold the holding costs on that. It's a whole nother segment. But, so I wanted to discuss on how a 29-year-old can do that. So the question is, should I do that? Absolutely. Absolutely, you should invest before you nest. That was our topic last week. Why? Because you are young, you are vibrant, and you are building generational wealth. You are setting up the pathway where you don't have to rely just on the source of income from your job. You are creating multiple streams of income. And remember we discussed that 90% of the millionaires have a stake in real estate. So you set your path to be in the 90%. And so that is why it's important. And yes, absolutely, if you have the means Get the education you need, get the guidance, and invest before you nest. Thank you for that, Shanara. My answer is a little bit not as firm. It's a little bit more in the gray area because I do 100% agree with you when looking at the paper and trying to accumulate money that anyone who's interested in maximizing their wealth should invest before they purchase. But the reality is, is that not everyone has that mindset. So, you know, some people may not have the mental wherewithal to deal with the responsibilities of being a landlord or a property owner, and that's okay. If there are certain things you need to do in your personal life to make sure you're taken care of, you know, do that first, Um, you know, we in this podcast obviously want you to maximize your potential, but, you know, we're not going to go hard with the hustle culture because, you know, there's a time to hustle and there's a time not to. Absolutely. So, you know, with that to this 29 year old person, I do want to emphasize that if you're not ready, it's okay. And yeah. you can't make anyone feel bad if you do not have the bandwidth to do these things. So, you know, you have to do things that's in your own time. Absolutely. So with that being said, if you do have the bandwidth, if you do have the mental capacity to take this on, the answer, in my opinion, is yes. And as an attorney, if you are going to do that, I need you to meet with a licensed attorney to talk about how you can protect that asset. How can you shelter yourself from liability? 
So for instance, I guess the most common scenario is that if you're a landlord and there's a tenant and a tenant falls in your building, you don't want to be sued. You don't want whatever other assets you own to be subject to any type of lawsuit. We want to make sure that you as an individual are not sued personally for any type of incident that occurs or related to your property. Now, there's a lot of implications and things that might be tied into that, depending on how you do your financing. That's why we suggest you talk to an attorney. But some you know, high-level things they may discuss with you about is an LLC, which is a limited liability corporation, a management company, a trust. My advice to you is, you know, person interested in purchasing real estate, make sure you talk to an attorney about the different options available to you when it comes to protecting your asset. So Shanira, this has been another great conversation. And you know what, you and I haven't discussed what we're going to talk about next week. So I'm just going to ask you, what do you, what do you want to talk about? I, I, you know, here are some ideas. You're really passionate about talking <laughs> about <laughs> HOAs. There's still so much more to talk about investing. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you can talk about your experience as a real estate agent. Or I can talk about myself as an attorney because it all ties in together. Is there anything you would like to discuss or do should we just leave it as a cliffhanger? Meaning that they're going to subscribe and they'll find out next week what we're talking about. Or should we leave them with something? So... Um... There are so many things to talk about. So many. I, I think it's going to be a surprise. It It'll will be, a, be surprise. a surprise. So remember to subscribe. Make sure you download, like, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And we look forward to sharing with you all of the wealth and information, the wealth of information we have because we love what we do. Right, Shanine? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't think anyone has, for- no one has forced us into these jobs. No one pressured us into this. We do this because we love it and we're very passionate about helping others achieve their dreams through the paths of real estate, overall investment, and just having, you know, a full life where you can just... I'll leave it at that because I don't, I don't want to say too much. We're just going to leave it at that. We like yeah, real we're estate. Gonna we're going to leave it at that. All Helping right. others achieve their dreams. Hey, Absolutely. There we go. There we go. We're here to help you take your dreams to reality. That is it. Well, I have been one of your hosts, Deanna Reynolds, a real estate attorney, and she has been your host, co-host, Shanara Carter, a real estate broker and investor. Wonderful. Okay, we look forward to seeing you guys, or rather, you'll hear from us soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. See you later.